The Culture Builders Podcast. Conversations with experts in the areas of leadership, growth, change, and everything that affects our working world. Hello, I'm Jane Sparrow, founder and author at The Culture Builders, and I'm here with my co-founder and co-author, Chris Preston. And it's the nearly the end of the year, so we're doing hopefully a quick, for your sake, roundup of the things that we've been involved in, we've been excited by, and have been challenged by in 2023. We have, because... In our coaching conversations, both at a team and individual level, we often talk about the importance of documenting in some way your trophy cabinet. The idea that each week on a Friday, perhaps, you make a note of the big things and the little things that you've achieved, contributed or learnt during the week. So that rather than come to the end of a period in your career or the end of a year and have to think really hard about the trophy cabinet, you're doing it as you go along. And I was in a coaching session with a client last week where I was giving out this sound advice and we were looking at the trophy cabinet and I realised that I'm not practising what I preach. I am not, in fact, doing this anymore on a regular basis. So that prompted this podcast to say, let's at least look back on the learning trophy cabinet that we can share with you and hopefully give you some golden nuggets to take into 2024 and also kickstart my own habit of building out each week what I've achieved, what I've learned, what I've contributed. Now they do say never buy a mechanic's car and I think we're danger of falling into that trap aren't we in terms of not taking our own medicines to mix my metaphors. So okay let's talk about our trophy moments and We are a busy little team, and that's a big shout out to the people that work with us. Everyone works really hard and delivers some amazing work. And I think quite often we get to the end of the year and we all pause to draw breath and we don't really take a moment to think just how much we've got through. So thinking back through our 2023 back catalogue, Jane, what are we going to talk about? What are the things we want to say, look at us? Well, what I'd like to do is share some learning, share some tips share our favourite podcast of the year, so you better get thinking, and our most challenging moment. So you think of that one too. So that's what's coming up. That's why it's worth staying. Yeah, we've got to squeeze that into 23 minutes by our own rules. So let's crack on. All right, so I'm going to go first up, high-performing team traits. We've been working with teams who are already high-performing and want to make sure they continue that way as well as teams that have either restructured or welcomed new people in that want to really make sure they're intentional about their performance. So some of the things that have worked really well are doing a diagnostic. So we have a new diagnostic tool that we use, which really highlights across our high-performance team traits, where are we strong and therefore things we need to keep doing and where might we want to pay more attention. And then helping those teams get the right rhythms and routines in place based on that insight. So making it highly, highly practical so that they can take one or two areas away and work on, get that embedded and in the muscle, and then come back and look at some more. So our fundamental kind of layer when we look at high-performance teams, as some of you may know, is the importance of human connection, trust, and valuing others for what they bring to the team. And they're our baseline And then sitting above that are things like alignment and purpose and creating context and shared belief together. 
speaking up and challenging, giving each other feedback. Resilience, both individually and as a team. Decision-making and focus, pace and drive. So a number of different high-performing traits that we've been helping people with over the, over the last year. But let me give you an example of one of the exec teams we work with. Real short, sharp, little learning. To improve and build human connection, as well as pride and a source of stories to take out to the business, New Rhythm was identified every Monday in the exec meeting. They would have five minutes of trophy moment sharing about the week before. Went on for many, many weeks. Great result. Then I saw them for their offsite and asked how it was going and they looked at their feet and admitted they hadn't done it for the last couple of weeks. So we reset that rhythm, but this time made the trophy stories for the four weeks ahead about one of the areas of the business that they needed to really drive. And therefore, the trophies were very targeted on something that really mattered to them operationally. And then bingo, that worked and that rhythm, that routine has consistently kept going for the last three months. So loads on high-performing team traits that we could do a whole podcast on, but we won't. We're going to move on. The problem seems to be, though, Jen, we keep having to reprint the high-performing team traits board, don't we? We do, because people want it to put on the wall or on the desk in front of them so that they can be reminded of that intentionality. But hey, that's a nice problem to have. What, st- what gets stolen gets done. <laughs> I believe so. The best thing is when you go back in a few weeks later and it's still there being used. That's the best kind of moment of pride for us. What's next? Leadership and middle manager development. So one of the big themes for this year has been helping our clients understand and buy into the point of that when we're in the room, fantastic, people leave energized and full of great intention. They get so much from being together. But it's what happens out of the room between those offsites or those sessions that really, really matters. So it's embed, embed, embed. And one of my biggest moments of pride and my trophy cabinet moments was when one of the CEOs we worked with said, Jane, do your other clients do what you're doing here and have such an impact with, which is the embed work, the one-to-ones that you're having with members of the team on a monthly basis to be their conscience, to keep them going, to give them ongoing feedback, to connect the dots with what you're hearing from each of us and our people. Because in his words, it's the most powerful fuel that we have outside of those main sessions when we're together. And so we've tried to build that in more and more to the work we're doing, even if we're not doing it, making sure that there's work that happens between our formal touch points so that behavior change, belief change, that impacts culture really, really happens. If we delve in as well into the detail of some of the leadership work we've been doing, one simple thing has really struck a chord with both the cohorts we've been working with but also that we talk with people more broadly and that is the difference between collaboration and cooperation you're so right and my goodness does this have people nodding their heads and it will come on to this in terms of values and behaviors but one of the big things we advise organizations not to do is put collaboration in as a word because it becomes weaponized And you end up with people using it as an accusation of not being collaborative when actually all you're asking for is more work. So some of the processes that we've been putting, working through with uh, with teams is thinking about how do you get a better language around the ask? 
So you're not always saying, could we, you know, could we co-create this? Could we collaborate? Could we be creative? When what you need to say is, I need help. Or, fundamentally as a leader, I need you to do your job. We shouldn't have to pretend it's collaboration if it's something that needs to be done. And that's really helped people unlock a lot of tough conversations and also some better processes around creativity. It really has. And actually, one of the underpins for that conversation to happen is having trust there among the team in the first place, right? So we go back to one of the high performance team trait foundations of trust. And if you've got that trust in place, it's a lot easier to have the conversation about where do I truly want you to collaborate with me and perhaps co-own something versus where do I just need your help in task delivery? And, and actually, where do sometimes I need you just to step out? You don't need to continue being involved. You've given your expertise. It's been super helpful. And I'm going to come back to you later in the process. But often we just don't signal it. So you're right. That's been a massive breakthrough for a lot of the businesses we're working with. Um, and we've even made some real practical tools, haven't we, to help people have those conversations uh, in a very visceral way, which I'm loving seeing people use. Absolutely. Okay, let's move on. What's next? Change. So... Th- Change constant everywhere, whether it's positive transformation as businesses grow, which has been a big theme for some of our clients, or perhaps restructuring and what can seem for some as having a more negative impact. And we've been doing a huge piece of work with a couple of businesses on both ends of the spectrum and helping leaders as part of that to think about the human side of change and how they and all of their middle managers, that miracle in the middle, are equipped with the belief, the confidence and the language and tools to help navigate people through that journey. And I have to say, I've loved doing that work because the way that people have responded, I remember one person who came into the room, virtual room, and said, you know, I've been told to come and I'm, I'm not feeling particularly great about this. Probably didn't sound quite like that, but you get my meaning. And left at the end and stayed on and said, I wish I'd had this 30 years ago in my career. It would have made my career so much easier in managing people. And that to me was just one of those moments where I kind of went, oh my gosh, to hear somebody who particularly uh, came in 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 kind of the red, leaving in the black, having had that experience was so powerful. And we've met some amazing people. You know, we were doing sessions from 6am in the morning, my time to cover off different time zones until 9, 10 at night and left with energy at the end of it because we just had such incredible people with such incredible experiences. One of the things we see with change is in leaders, managers, it quite often is an underdeveloped muscle, isn't it? Um, We don't all go through change constantly. We're not regularly leading change within teams. So we don't have those skills to hand. And we've seen this a lot. And with the program you're talking about, it was the case where change happens and leaders tend to pause, don't they? Or look bewildered because it's a new approach and a new process for them. So one of the things that we, we, we work on quite strongly is how do you embed a constantly change-ready leadership? Not constant change, but a group of people who, when it arrives, they go, right, I know what to do. I know to turn things up. I know to be more present. I need to know to be more caring. I know that people need engagement, even if it's just a, a, a chance to talk. All those things that we tend to put to one side, because in the panic of change, we tend to get very blinkered around what I have to do to get through. So I know the work has had a lot of value and a lot of good feedback. Yeah, and your point is a good one. Although I think the 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 reality is we're managing change every day because we're managing evolution and we should be always looking to make what we do better. 
But I take your point for more significant change. Yeah. Very often we, we need to equip people. But I think, again, it comes back to embed the power of that work that I was just mm. referring to there has been not just the, the Teams sessions with 300 people on and the breakouts and so on, but it's been the, the, the conversations we've been able to have with them one-to-one in between as well that's allowed them to then unpack what they've heard, think about what it means for them and their own situations and their own teams. And at the real heart of it, as we go into the next phase to support both those that are in new roles and those that are perhaps moving on, is really helping them discover their sense of value and belonging. So again, a massive area, but a really big one to help people un- unpick and understand so that it helps them move into their next phases of their lives. Culture. Let's talk about culture and then I want to move to our favourite podcasts and most challenging moments to share those okay. two. So culture, I mean, we say that everything we do as a business and as individuals within the business impacts culture positively. But values and behaviours have been another big theme, haven't they? Leadership frameworks, the creation, the embedding of values. Tell me something that you feel we've got as a learning in our trophy cabinet from our work this year. Okay, so there's a whole other podcast in this. and I think actually we've already recorded one about our view on values and behaviours. But just to recap really quickly, it drives me mad when organisations create what we term static values and behaviours really big bold words that actually don't drive anything so you know the word pride or commitment or honesty or integrity they're lovely words but they don't actually do anything and this year we had a chance to create some quite progressive values and behaviors with people and what it said to me was there's a real power in us sticking to our guns and pushing for what we know will work and a good example we worked with a very famous sports institution this year that's got heritage up to its armpits, an amazing organisation. And we took them through a culture audit, we got all the data, we got the information there. And the steer from them was, okay, can you evolve the current values? Move them forward, but, you know, recognise that they're there. So we did, which was the rock the mistake, and we created something that was next phase. And we, we passed them back, and they landed like, a a cold potato you know they just didn't fly and they came back and said look we know you've done what we asked you but what if you did what we didn't ask you what if you gave us something back that you were excited by so that was it the gloves were off the pencil was sharpened and we sat down and we crafted a set of values that for us were the ultimate They're the ones that I am the most proud that we've created that I would stake my reputation on. And we we wrote them and we sent them and then really sat there holding our breath to see what happened. Because they, they were very different. They are very different. Luckily, they loved them. And they were so different and so fresh and so progressive that they pushed aside all the usual criticism of, oh, I don't like that word or why haven't we got integrity in there? That's really important. Because what we created was a movement in a set of values. And for, so for me, two things there. One is the power of a set of values that challenge people rather than honour what currently is. And the second thing is that stick to your guns if you know you're right. But there's a balance, isn't there? I'm guessing that you're not referring to a set of values that you loved but didn't fit the organisation. <laughs> well, you say that, Jane. No, bear in mind, we've just been taken through a culture order that was two months of listening. So what we had was all the things that were important to them. 
But the, the ch challenge is that quite often when you do that exercise, you, you just put them through a word cloud and four words pop up. And what you end up is saying, so the most important things for us are this. What you tend not to do, unfortunately, is say, where are we trying to get to as an organization? And how should our values help us get there? Because values for today are great, but they will be out of date tomorrow. So you've got to think ahead. So yeah, you're right. They weren't just for me. They were designed with that organization. And they took on board the heritage. They took on board the passion, but also started to hint to where people needed to get to be. So that's my new mission, is that whenever we see values and behaviors that are dull, that are single word, that are turgid, we beg and plead until we can redo them. Like my mission, which is to embed, embed, embed. Because we always talk about it and we know that it is what we do best. Yeah, but you're the people strategist, so you would. I'm not a strategist at all. I'm a storyteller. So for me, I want the story to be great and then I move on to the next one. Whereas you are not so focused on the story so much as how we're going to make it work and happen. But those listening know I can learn a good story. You can develop the muscle. Okay, I said we'd talk about favourite podcasts. We could carry on on our trophy moments. By the way, one of my observations on our trophy moments and learnings, we've only talked about stuff from the last three or four months. And that just shows you that if you're not capturing these as you go, you remember the recent rather than what we did maybe January to June. So my pledge after recording this is I'm going to get my, um, my, my metaphorical filing cabinet out and think about what happened before the last few well, months. Well, I was once told by a very senior HR person in a very large organisation, you only have to work hard for the last three months of the year because that's all your boss will remember when it comes to the review. So <laughs> handy tip from Chris there. Yes. So pleased that we're now moving so many businesses to quarterly reviews. <laughs> yes. That Maybe it's might avoid be why. Yes, Hopefully exactly. not. Okay, come on. So let's do the podcast. Right. Favourite podcast. What has been, we've recorded loads this year. What's been your favourite podcast that we've done and why? And if you're listening to this and you've listened to our others, then do tell us yours. But Chris... Okay, well, this, so can I have three? If you're quick. Okay, so really quickly. So one of my favourites was one that we accidentally deleted uh, between Owen and I talking about cultural insanity. And actually, it was deleted by accident, but thinking back, it was quite out there. So possibly it deserved to be on the cutting room floor. So the podcast that will never be heard by anyone is one of my favourites. Number two is the podcast I recently did with, with Leanne Mayer on um, Closing the Gap for Black Women in Business. Really powerful, but an amazing way of bringing something very sensitive and important to life in a positive way. My favourite, drum roll, ooh, was the Honey podcast. I And it's very, for us, it was a bit left field and we ummed and ah, didn't we, about does it fit in our kind of genre? And we thought, no, we'll just do it anyway because it's such an amazing story. And actually, there are lots of things you can draw in if you take the time. So I absolutely loved the honey one. And I'm guessing you're about to say the same. I loved the honey one too. <laughs> and I loved it because to me, there are huge parallels with our work. And if you've listened to it, you'll know that we talk about the parallel with the hive and the culture of a beehive. Loads of similarities and learnings for culture of high-performing teams, for example. But also the Bank of Meelink with well-being and performance and just how honey can fuel our performance, but how complex it is to buy the right type of honey, the purer honey, and to have it regularly. So 
worth a listen if you haven't listened to it. I loved doing that. And we have promised we're going to do another one and do some work in partnership with the Honey Sommelier in question. My other one, which again, we're doing some work with next year in a couple of our businesses that we work with, is on ADHD and what I call neurospread, not neurodiverse. If you've listened to the podcast, you'll know why. And we've had some tremendous feedback about that one. And again, so much more in that. But, you know, building cultures that are truly allowing everybody to be their best and then deliver against expectations uh, around them. Huge insight from Dr. Sam Hugh in the ADHD podcast. So if you haven't listened to that one, then I would strongly suggest that's a good listen for the end of 2023, but loads of content in there that will get you thoughtful for planning your year ahead. So podcasts, I'm sure there are more, but that's our favorite podcast. Last thing I want to cover, most challenging moment. Give us one that comes to mind, one of the most challenging moments that you feel that you have faced this year and why. So you you primed me for this and I've been furiously thinking about challenging moments and I'm going to do this three. <laughs> um, one is the macro, which is 2023 has been a really challenging year. I think the business world is struggling generally around with a lot of things right now and getting people's focus and attention and getting things happening has been more challenging because we, we're not in a great place globally at the moment. So overall, this has been a, a really challenging year. Second thing for me was the realisation sort of March time that I was doing too much and nothing was getting done really well. And we spread, particularly I spread myself too thin. And the pain point was I have to step back and just focus on certain things and rebuild the energy for those things. We talk about it, don't we? This kind of this, this the bank of me point that you've only got so much to give, and if you're doling it out to too many things, nothing gets done really well. And I got some really tough feedback about how I was showing up in a certain situation, and it was that "ouch, that's not true" moment. And then the no, actually, it is, it is true. So apology to the people that got me then, and also apology to people that got me the next time where I must have been bouncing off the walls with with forced energy. <laughs> um, the third thing, the third th- really, really specific challenging thing was trying to run a session that I was two hours late for, having sat on a broken down train all afternoon, and just the realisation of just the impact you have with just one small thing. So... Big, medium and small for me. Although the team in question that day. Oh, they were lovely. I mean, you walked in and I thought they're going to tear me to shreds. And the first thing they said was, do you want a drink? Sit down, calm down. And it was just like, okay, I'm in the right place. I'm okay. And it went really well. Yeah, they got the value, but they got it because they were very (laughs) human in the way they dealt with it. And so that was a huge, huge reminder, isn't it? What about you? I could go for a, a moment that's more around my wider life, a bit like you were saying around your sort of mojo, but I'm not. I'm going to go for an exec session with a team that I love working with where I'd done some one-to-one check-ins as I always do beforehand and unearthed a few things that really needed to come out when they were together. So I've designed the session, I walk in and, and I ask a couple of good, strong questions that are going to bring all of this out to the forefront, which it did. And then there was a deathly silence. And we carried on, we got some great conclusions, some good rhythms and routines. And since then, I've heard of moved the business forward massively. But I had that gremlin on my shoulder for the whole day after asking those questions because of that moment of silence 
where I was just thinking, should I really have been bold enough to, to get that stuff on the table? Should I have got that out? And, you know, it was a couple of months ago and I, ha- I heard last night that the impact of those things coming out as a result, some conversations had happened and they felt they were a stronger team than they'd ever been and they were in better shape to face into some of the growth opportunity and challenge that's coming next year. So it was one of those moments where I was able to exhale and think, thank goodness. But, you know, even even then, that little gremlin was there the whole time. And so I had to work really hard at silencing it. So are you going to tell us the question? Was it that bad? It was a great question and it did what it <laughs> needed to do. It's just I think people were uh, were surprised by the honesty that then came out, which actually was a great example of we'd created the psychological safety over the year before that, which meant that a couple of people felt they could. It was just quite a moment of, oh, okay, so we're going to face into this now, aren't we? And it was just that moment of silence spoke so many things. Okay, that's our 2023 in a very quick review, or well, at least the last third of the 2023, given what you said. If you enjoyed listening to us pull apart our ups and downs this year for the Culture Builders, then how about you do the same thing with your people? How about you find half an hour just to go through and say, what have we enjoyed? What did we really achieve? Where did we struggle? What have we learned? And also, the last question, which we won't do because we'll be here forever, what does 2024 hold for us? Great idea. And with that, we'd love to thank all of the wonderful people in our lives that we've worked with this year, the people that make what we do not feel like work, and wish you all a peaceful time over the festive break, and come back with a fully fueled Bank of Me for 2024. We look forward to talking to you, seeing you, and chatting to you then. Thank you, Jane. And a quick thank you from me to the Culture Builders team. They are just amazing. And that's all I'll say. Thank you for listening. Continue the journey at theculturebuilders.com.